Hey, Lizards, Gizmo here. I wanted to share some of the cigars we'll be smoking in May and June, so you can smoke along with us if you'd like. For Cubans, we've got Hoyo de Monterey Double Coronas, Partagas Aliados, H. Upman Half Coronas, and Monte Cristo Open Eagle. And for New Worlds, we've got Davidoff, Winston Churchill, and Bellicoso, Diamond Crown, Julius Caesar, TAA Shark, 2023, Liga Pravada, T52 in Corona Viva, and Davidoff, Late Hour in Robusto, with much, much more to come. Have a suggestion? Email us. Hello at loungelizardspod.com. That's hello at loungelizardspod.com. Our podcast is supported by the Fabrica Five Cigar Company. Straight from the Honduran factory to your hands, the company was built by Rob Isla of Friends of El Habano and Bon Roberts fame and Cuban master blender Hamlet Peretti's. The entire cigar line is blended by Rob and Hamlet and is refined with feedback from a hand-selected tasting panel, the Friends of El Habano Forum, and smokers like you. You can even jump on the FOH Forum right now and post reviews and comments. And you might even hear from Rob or Hamlet when you do. Rob has opened the discount floodgates and now exclusive to Lizard listeners, Fabrica 5 is offering 10% off the entire store. That's all five packs, all 25 count bundles, all 50 count bundles using promo code LIZARDPOD at Fabrica005.com. That's code LIZARDPOD, one word. Plus, worldwide free shipping from Miami on all orders over $125 US. Again, use code LIZARDPOD for 10% off the entire Fabrica 5 store right now. That's Fabrica005.com. Fabrica005.com. You must be 21 years of age or older to order. Fabrica 5. No boxes, no bands, no bullshit. And now, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Lounge Lizards Podcast. It's so good to have you here. It's a leisure and lifestyle podcast founded on our love of premium cigars, as well as whiskey, travel, food, work, and whatever else we feel like getting into. My name is Gizmo, and tonight I'm joined by Rooster, Puba, Senator, Pagoda, Grinder, and Bam Bam, a full house of lizards. And our plan is to smoke a cigar, drink some scotch, talk about life, and of course, have some laughs. So take this as your 15th official invitation to join us and become a card-carrying lounge lizard. Plan to meet us here once a week. We're going to smoke a Cuban cigar tonight, share our thoughts on it, and give you our formal lizard rating. Puba will share the story of Juan Lopez, and we'll chat about the benefits of different types of cigar storage, all among a variety of other things for the next hour. So sit back, get your favorite drink, light up a cigar, and enjoy as we pair the Juan Lopez selection number one with 15-year-aged Downey Scotch. A Cuban Corona Gorda tonight from Juan Lopez, the Juan Lopez number one, a uh, cigar I have actually have not had. I've had a uh, Juan Lopez two. I know that Rooster loves these cigars, right, Rooster? Yes, sir. And uh, Puba, very kind to provide these to us tonight. Um, let's cut this thing and see what we're getting on the uh, the cold draw and the and the wrapper. It's a twenty to December twenty nineteen cigar. Awesome. Nice. It's a little over two years old. The wrapper smells very nice. It does. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's three years old. December twenty nineteen is. Two years and a month. Two years. Oh, two years and a month. Lizard math. It's the content we're becoming known for. All right. Getting a typical cedar note on the cold draw. Yeah, really nice raisin, maybe a little raisin. Mm, yeah. The wrapper is uh, very toothy. Um, Reminiscent of a ras. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's yeah. got a sort Very of rustic, too. Yeah. rustic construction. A lot of spice on the cold jaw for me. Just tastes like it tastes like a humidor a little bit, kind of just a lot of cedar. Cedar. Yeah. All right, let's light this thing. It's a forty-six by five point six inch. Yeah. Stick. Selection number one. Mm -hmm. Let's try this thing. The Corona Gorda you mentioned. Yep. That's good. Nice creamy smoke, right? Mm. I love the I love the selection number two. A the ton GL2. of two. Ton of smoke output. Uh, number one. Good smoke better. output. Number one. Oh. Number one's better. Good to know. Oh, that's nice. Mm. A lot of flavor wow. right on the first right. draw. Well, a lot of flavor. Ton of flavor. Ton of yeah. Hundred percent agreed. Wow. No, I, I can like it already. I can see why Rooster likes these. So it's got some spice, right? A little bit of spice. A lot of cedar. I'm getting creaminess here. And creamy, yeah. Grinder, you had a surprise look on the first puff. I'm getting like cardamom, like, like a different, well, maybe not cardamom, like a different spice. I don't know. Yeah, this is really nice. Very, very, like a, very unique. Nutmeg? They're, yeah, perhaps. Maybe nutmeg, yeah. yeah. They're, they're nice. They're a really nice change of pace um, to have around. Honestly, it's a flavor bomb for me right now. Yeah, yeah. it's right not on the light. light. I'm it's like a very good medium surprised. smoke. It's oh, yeah. not, you know, it's not a light smoke. No. I'm surprised. I mean, this, a lot of smoke out there. Just the shape in my hand reminds me of like a Magnum 46. Exactly. Yes. But yeah. the flavor on the light on this is more robust on the light to me than the Magnum 46. I'm surprised and I'm enjoying already what I'm what I'm getting out of this. It's a it's a good um they come in uh sliding lid boxes of 25. Flavor forward, I would say. I've had the flavor number two, forward. not as flavorful as this guy. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm yeah. with you on One, that. Ben. One's better. Yeah, you've said that to me many times. Yeah, and it, that's kind of, I wouldn't say universally because it, that would be too broad of a statement, but it's it's popular. Uh, the one is a popular yeah. size, but there are people who love, there are people who really love the two as well. How much for this? Um, they're not particularly expensive. I can't really remember how much I paid for them, but it wasn't more than 300 bucks, maybe two. I will pursue these something they're like 11, $12 oh, stick. Definitely yeah. worth having a few boxes. I'm saying on, I'm saying on terminal, they're out of stock, but they're, it's 300 <laughs> for the, uh, the, are they the hard to get cabot 25? No. Yeah, so, them. so you can get them, but they're not, they're not, it's a, so a little bit about Juan Lopez there. It's like a boutique brand or what like some would call a portfolio brand within the Habana SSA catalog. It's, it's like an El Rey del Mundo or Gloria Cubana, not in the class of a Gloria Cubana, but, but it's, it's one of these boutique brands within the catalog. So, you know, their, their output in terms of volume isn't, you know, isn't like what a global brand would be like a, Cohiba or Monte Cristo or I read earlier they Price. only have ten vitolas. Is that true? No, less like than, that? no it's less, less than, than ten. Yeah, it's less than that. So wow. they've got a number one, which is a Corona Gorda. They have the number two, which is a Robusto. They have a Corona, which is a forty-two by one forty-two, a Panatella, uh, and a Petite Corona, and then they do a bunch of regionals, um, on an annual basis. You don't see a lot of regionals come up though. I mean, it's just like this number one and number two are like the most popular sizes. Yeah. They're out there. They're out there. Do we have context on the on the band and the name? And 
A little bit. So the, the, it's not. Um, it's a little bit obscure. Um, there's there's no big wow in the brand history like like the storied history of Bolivar or Partagas or anything like that. But um, the company was founded or the in in eight, 1876 by Juan Lopez Sena. Uh, he created the brand, and then in 1908 he passed it to his heirs. Um, then he sold it to a group, uh, Sociedad Cosme Pesoicia, in 1918, and then they held on to it until the revolution. Um, and then at various points in history, it was also known pre-revolution as uh, Flor de Juan Lopez. Um, and of course, the factory was seized you know post-revolution during the revolution was seized and uh taken over and uh they're just known to be one of actually the better uh, a little bit harder to find brands uh, outside of cuba until recently so this was something that was really more of a like a portfolio brand that was a little bit harder to find up until the last you know 10 or 15 years so um, now they're more, a little bit more readily available um, than they once were off the island. And that's about it. In terms I like, of the like this a lot. I love this fucking cigar. Very I don't know good. what else to say. Yeah, it's, re- it's really <laughs> nice. It's so good. How do you really feel, Bam? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm getting an enormous amount of uh, floral and little graham cracker, but it's hitting me like a truck. It's wonderful. Yeah, good cigars. It's got a lot oh. of cedar, spice, yeah, a little getting, bit of sweetness. I'm, and, I'm getting uh, the hard, the harder flavors personally, like this more spicy. This definitely the cedar, you know, woodsy. Yeah, <laughs> Petri- yeah. petrichor. Gizmo Senator, what are you guys getting on it? I, I think it's really well balanced because I'm getting the spice that Grinder's talking about, but I'm also getting some creaminess and a little sweetness. It, it's it's complex. It's robust. It's very, very tasty on the light. I'm with him. I mean, it, to me, I think the, the word complex is the best word that I've said so far, or I've heard so far. It's like it has a little bit of everything. It's refined. Um, it's really, really smooth. And I'm, I'm really enjoying it so far, a half an inch in. Has anyone had a young Juan Lopez number one? They're relatively yeah. young. Yeah, these are fairly Three young. years. This Two is years. a 2019. Year, I have a 2020 oh, okay. box and a 2011. And? 2011 is off like the charts. This. It's like this, but just completely balanced, very complex. Wow. All the flavors mm. like kind of really blend together. Very smooth. You know, so uh, one thing I want to say, like, you know, we used to smoke a lot of Honduran and Nicaraguan cigars. Like I'm going back like, you know, like last three, four or five years. So compared to like a Nicaraguan cigar, which is they tend to be heavy. They tend to be full-bodied, a lot of nicotine. These cigars, when you go to like cigar like Juan Lopez or uh, you know the uh, like the Partagas D4s, you get such creamy flavors, a lot of floral notes and uh, fruity notes that you don't get with that Nicaraguan tobacco. So these are like super complex, very balanced. But the notes that you get from this, you just don't get them from any other any other tobacco out there, any other cigar out there. So it's I have to very say, tasty. I don't. I I have limited to no experience with Juan Lopez as a brand. And I think the only one I ever had, Rooster, if you remember, 
you'd given me once. It was a, it was very young, but I, I have to assume it was the number two of this. I don't remember it being this shape, and I didn't love it. It, it probably just needed some, you know, some time to to age and and fully develop in in terms of its flavor profile. But from that experience, I, I wasn't that impressed. And and from the brand, it, it's not as known. It doesn't have the cachet that a Partagas or an Upman or some of these Amanti, some of these brands have. And so I've always been very hesitant to buy a box of Juan Lopez and really give it a fair shot. And I'm very glad we're reviewing this because I'm just immediately sitting here saying to myself, I've missed out because already I want yeah. this in my humidor. Yeah, I mean, I started out with the number two. I used to smoke them and then once in a while, number ones. But the number one has so much more flavor, I think, than the number two does. And the cigar that you had, the number two, that was actually from 2012. Wow. Oh, wow. And the, and the Juan okay. Lopez number one is from 2011. So interesting. very different. Uh, Your point then about the flavor is spot on because I, I found that cigar to just lack enough flavor to be interesting to my palate and what I normally go for. But this stick, wow. It's like night and day. One to the two. It really is. I people agree. people love the two. I mean, people do really love it. There are mm. people like, there are people like within our group, um, in our world that actually really hold that cigar in high regard. Um, and that's but, that's a robusto, right? The, yeah, the two. Yeah. Okay. So you know, it's just one of those things. It's like personal preference, but this delivers. It kind of, I think, it it kind of tastes like. Like a little bit like particacy. It, it it's got a little bit of that fullness. It's got a little pepper through the nose, but just not a ton, but just enough. And then it tastes just very like cedary and woody and and good. It's it's complex. I think it has the right amount of everything. Yeah, yeah. It really kind of does. You get it's that very pepper very on balanced. the retro hell. Mm-hmm. You guys have used the term, uh, but cute. not a ton. Yeah, a little bit, not just a lot. Just a little bit, not right. a lot. Yeah, yeah. You guys have used the term Cuban twang. Is that, are you getting that in this? And what is that? What does that mean? It's not as salty as what a part to me is like what a partigas would be. I agree. I see. It's it, do, it doesn't have that. It no. doesn't have that Cuban twang. That is it, so it's the minerally salty quality is what the twang is. Gives to me, you. to yeah. me, I get that on the, the tip of my tongue or like the, the front of my tongue when I, when I tap the, the head of the cigar. That, to me, I, like on a D4, I get that every single time. And then when you smoke it, you're getting the miner, minerally saltiness of it. That's how I generally kind of feel the twang, like myself. But, you know, this doesn't have it as much as some of those others. But it's that Caribbean soil. Yeah, it's, it's exactly it. You this is a special cigar, man. Yeah. You know, yeah. call me crazy. I could do two of these back to back. Oh, yeah. Because of the flavor. It's so delicious. Yeah, because it's, you know, it's bold flavors, but the strength isn't there. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. That's perfectly said i mean honestly i just keep sitting here i'm i'm still like the level of regret i have right now is just so (laughs) off the charts that i haven't sourced these myself and i've been skeptical for some reason of this brand but i just keep holding this in my hand and all i'm envisioning is a magnum 46 that i i is part of my rotation i really like that cigar a lot but i gotta say so far this smokes better to me than a Magnum 46, and I would slot in already ahead of a Magnum 46 in that slot within my rotation. you got to come over my place more often, Senator. <laughs> I will I, I'll gladly. Give you some special sticks. I'll be there tomorrow morning. So we know we know Senator is going to clear out come inventory. You better share when you do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've had this box in my humidor for like a year. Um, 
And, uh, you know, I just go, I would go in it every now and then and just grab one. It, not something, they're, they are not exactly like, they're not that easy to really, you know, you can source them, but they're not ubiquitous. It's so I try not to just, you know, I try to get like right now, perfect time. Everybody's enjoying the cigar. Now they're available. We can, I can share them, you know, kind of like enjoying something like this is more enjoyable in a group. You're like, oh my God, well, I'm, I'm first time I'm smoking this cigar. So for me, I get a lot more ROI on just being like, let's all have it, smoke it, talk about it. So I'm glad I didn't just smoke them in my truck or, <laughs> you know what I mean? How did these smoke? If you said you've had them for a year, year and a half, how did they smoke then versus now? And I know we're under a microscope now and we're better. really analyzing it, but better. it's yeah. getting better, oh, like yeah. dramatically better, a little bit. Market, markedly better. Okay. Sure. Did you guys notice the cap on this? The triple cut it. It's a triple cap. Well, the most Cubans are a triple cap. Yeah, yeah, but it's 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 rolled nice. Um, It's got. I don't know. There's a thing about it. Like maybe what you were saying, Senator. Like it has that Partagas thing, a touch of Upman, a little bit of that Cohiba e thing. Like it has a little bit of. All of the different kind of Cuban markers, I think. I, I think it's really a, a nice it's toasty. touch of everything. Is it toasty? It's toasty. That's a good descriptor. Yeah. Is it taste toasty? Does it taste campfirey, toasty, kind of oh. earthy-ish, maybe? I don't get, I mean, I, I, get, I don't get smoke. I get toast. But that toast. Yeah. Not smoke. I, I get the earthiness and a little toasty, almost bready quality about it. But I definitely not campfire. I wouldn't go that yeah, far. I put Toasty. a I just put a mandate out to my newly acquired uh, suppliers. <laughs> <laughs> Sourcing as we speak. King Bam Bam. <laughs> Fetch my, me my my cigars, minions, my like, minions. <laughs> anytime, any like I just ashed it, and it's got that it's got that little nipple on it that says good. You know, how's everyone's? Bur- I mean, for for me, it's uh, a pretty razor sharp burn. Yeah, nice looking ash. My draw is very nice. Just a little bit of resistance. Very nice. Yeah, and, and you, you mentioned the draw, and obviously, I, you know, again, I like I really like, like the 46. Magnum 46, I know where you're but going, I, yeah. I always criticize the draw because it has a little resistance, but I think just a little too much. And this started with a little resistance, which is why in every way this keeps reminding me of the Mag 46, but it's opened perfectly. Perfectly. This and is the what I wish. the combustion's really nice, too. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I think you get a little more spice with the 46. I agree. Yeah, this this has like a good balance of cedar, little sweetness and pepper on the retro hill, but not a lot. You know, just a little bit of pepper. Yeah, it's a different type of spice. It's a spicier spice. Right. Where this, you know, Grinder mentioned cardamom, or I, I feel like it's hard to place exactly like baking, what it baking is. Baking spices. Baking spice. It's a sweeter spice. I I think I mean I don't. We're not here to compare, but I I would I would. For my palate, I like the Mag 46 spice bouquet better than this bouquet. Um, if you want to call it a bouquet, I don't know. Um, it's it's a little harsher for me. This is. Than, than I than I would normally go for, and my then maybe that's just my interesting. Yeah, I feel the exact opposite. Me too. too. But halfway through, I'm getting more pepper. But I love that, and I still get that really beautiful floral note. A little bit of pepper I'm getting. 
I feel like where I slot in a mag 46 is generally where I'm little, I'm looking for a little bit more of a kick than I would, where I would put this. Um, yeah, I, I think this, this, this is a little bit lighter for me than the, the mag 46 is, especially in the spice area. Um, I, but I could put this in anywhere in the day, I think. Uh, yeah, you can. You, 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 you could. I wouldn't smoke it first thing, but. Rooster like, would. Like some of the seams. <laughs> Rooster, Rooster gave you a little. I've had this in the morning. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. That's I think I'm with saying, Rooster yeah, on this yeah, one. Yeah, Coffee I mean, and a jail one, baby. Yeah, yeah maybe I could. I mean, I'm not saying. It may not be my first choice. Followed it's by the, the coffee. The, the, Rooster has the coffee test. It's the Rooster test. But the like the seams on it, test. like I got a seam, I got a seam. Like, you know, some of the, this is where like some of these, it just, it's the luck of the draw a little yeah, bit. Yeah, there's a little crack. A little seam by the, here. It's like coming, yeah. but you know, it tastes really good. It's like a Ramon Alone's type construction problem where you get a little bit of that. And that's the thing, you know, whether you're talking about a Ramon Ionis, this cigar, some of the others that we've described as more rustic, you know, going in, you look at that cigar and you say, it's not the prettiest cigar, but the flavor that it delivers, it, it, it just doesn't matter. Also, the wrapper is really fragile. Fragile, this. very fragile. Right. Yeah. You know? So if you, you know, God forbid, if you get, uh, if the draw is a little tight, be very careful if you're going to go in with the perfect draw. Super careful because the, that wrapper is going to crack. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's any circumstance in which, under which I would smoke this outside unless it was absolutely perfect, no wind. I think that this is something that it, you, any sort of wind is really going to... I agree. It's going to smoke this whole cigar. Yep, I agree. It's not, Agoda, a golf, it's not a golf are course. Are you liking stick. it? Yeah, I, you know, I think for my uh, flavor profile, I think I find it a little on the milder side. While I'm experiencing a little bit of the woodiness, uh, I have experienced a little bit of the pepperish. In fact, I did. I kind of agree with Grinder on the thing. I'm feeling a little bit of harshness in the back of my throat, um, but overall, you know, just a milder uh, profile. Yeah, meaning complex from the perspective of uh, different flavors. Um, pretty consistent, good combustion. Um, yeah, enjoying it. But uh, I tend to prefer, you know, cigars which are a little bit more stronger and bolder and. You know, a little more uh, flavorful. So, I mean, to Pagoda's point about it being a, a milder smoke, I, I don't disagree in the sense that for me, this is incredibly versatile and in that I actually would easily on a Saturday morning have a cup of coffee, like Rooster said, and light one of these up or with lunch have one of these where I think the Magnum 46 and I, again, I, I'm sorry, I know I keep bringing back to that, but I just, they feel so similar and they actually, there's a lot of similarities between them where Mag 46 to me delivers more spice that would be better served late afternoon, evening, um, and can even hold up better with a meal than this cigar. But this thing, I mean, the, the, this JL1, anytime, any place, it would slot the, in. The retro hair for me right now is like, um, it's like horseradish, to be honest with you. Like I'm struggling not to sneeze. I have, the, I have the opposite on my retro hair. Exact opposite. I'm still getting a lot of sweetness for me. Um, a lot of floral notes I'm still getting here. Puba, do you want to provide any Afrin? Yes, I have. I, I, I always maybe Grinder's nose. I is feel clogged. very judged right now. I'm not. I am not addicted to Afrin. Just FYI, that's questionable. <laughs> what do you think about this cigar paired with champagne and caviar? I think it would work. I think with champagne, this would be outstanding, and I say that because the spices are sweeter spices. They're not 
spicy, and there's a creaminess about this cigar that would go so well with champagne. So I think actually it would be an excellent pairing. I'm glad you said it. Speaking of pairings, let's talk about our scotch pairing tonight. What do we have? Tonight we have uh, a Dalwini 15. Dalwini is a uh, Highland Scotch, Speyside, Spey. Um, it is, this is Scotch to me is like, it's it's a very good, like, core scotch. If you have, like, a collection of scotch, some of us do, this is, like, a core. For me, it's, like, a very core scotch. It's light. It's got honey. The thing that's unique about the Dalwini for my, for what I like to typically drink, is that it has really no smoke to it. I mean, we can taste it. You know, very, very sweet on the nose, very sweet on the palate. You don't get any spice until the end probably just on just a touch on the finish but it's like got a very sweet smooth you don't get any smoke um i think it kind of is a good yin to the yang of the of the cigar we're smoking right now i think it's working very well it's it's almost like neither are trying to fight for first place like they're they're both okay staying in their lane yeah this is a very it's a very drinkable scotch actually yeah and the 12 you know. is like really light yeah, the Dalwini Twelve. Have you, have I didn't you, even know that. They, they sure. Interesting. I, I don't know. I, I've I think never they seen. They do have it. a twelve. They used to have a twelve. I mean, I can. I, well, maybe I'm, I'm pretty sure they have a twelve. But this is. Let me see. I just remember it always being light. I don't. Rem- well, maybe it. Well, maybe it was. Maybe I'm wrong. It's not a scotch I drink often. Dalwini Twelve is is not is not something that I'm fine with. Okay, <laughs> so maybe I'm wrong. Um, this is one of the, this is something I learned today. I actually didn't know this. This is one of the, so it's Diageo, like so much, so much of the world. Um, they have this, this like classic malt selection of like core for their portfolio, core scotches that are very prototypical, but get a balance of like all the different regions they are in in Ireland or sorry, Scotland. The six are the Glen Kinchy Tenure. Which is a lowland scotch, the Dalwini 15, which is a Highland, the Cragamore, which is is Speyside, Oban 14, which is we all like Oban. It's kind of it's more yeah we did that smoky, one. yeah I would say that's West Highland, Talisker 10, which um, um, Pagoda brought. We'll review it sometime. Yeah, we're gonna too. do that in a future episode. Future sure. episode, Talisker 10. A big fan of Talisker 10, and then the Lagavulin 16. I didn't know this. They're, they have this, it's a marketing scheme, I'm sure, um, of like, they call them the classic malts. But um, yeah, I mean, I, other than that, I don't know much more aside, about Dal, Dalwini, the distillery, aside from the fact that it's, you know, it's a very drinkable, very approachable scotch. It's sweeter. It, there's not much smoke on it, which I, you know, typically don't enjoy, not, you know, typically don't go for. This and then the, I think the Glenmorangie 10 are like the two lighter scotches, the ones that I that I really like to take a wee dram of every so often for a nice balance. It's a what do nice, you guys think? Nice change of pace. I like it. Um, and I'm not a huge PD Scotch guy, but I'm becoming one. Um, so this is more like in my wheelhouse in terms of because it's not a PD Scotch. It's just so sweet to it's me. The, it tastes like honey to me. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I'll, I'll say this. So I, I, I'm honestly not a fan of Dalwini. Um, I I appreciate this pairing 
and I'm glad we're doing this with this cigar because this cigar, how we're describing it, right? It's it's not a really aggressive smoke. It's it's mild, medium, has a creaminess about it that I think pairs well with a light scotch like this. I think to Grinder's point, I mean, Dalwini 15 for me was an introduction to scotch. It's one of the first scotch, first single malts that I had because it's very light, honey, sweet, not a whole lot else. And so it, it was very useful to get into scotch. I feel like most people, if you someone were to say to you, hey, I want to start drinking scotch, but you know, I'm a little bit intimidated, you would start them with something like this or a Glenmorangie 10 like, you, like Grindr mentioned. Uh, but for where my palate is now, the only time I would probably pick this up is if for some reason I woke up in the morning and felt like I needed a scotch, which is not very often, or it's... In- Just some mornings. <laughs> <laughs> Only once or twice a week. <laughs> or or I, it was just extremely hot outside, and I just want something light and sweet, but I'm still craving scotch. This would slot in there. On the boat. but or, uh, On Pooba's boat that yeah. we're, we're waiting on. <laughs> yeah. did, you get, did you pick up the boat yet? Yeah, <laughs> but outside of that, for me, I just I, I look for a bit more flavor in scotch. So I, I don't normally pick this up, to be honest. Yeah, it's you know, it's light in color. You can see it's, it's on the lighter side. It's a very I think you're right. I think it's a good introductory scotch. Um, and like, you know, it's very approachable. It's for me, when you smell it on the nose, you get you get that multi Scotland malt <laughs> flavor. I, I hate to say like. Oh, this t- this cigar smells like tobacco, but similar to this, like it smells it smells malty, but the taste is just for me. It's so sweet and so so crisp on the finish. I like it. I think it's working really well with the cigar. When you take a, a sip of the uh, scotch and then you do a draw on the cigar, it kind of opens up in the back of your back of your mouth. You guys should try that. See yeah, it's saying. very nice. It's, it's very, cool. Yeah, yeah, it's yep. very cool. I'm actually it. pleasantly surprised. Fantastic. Mm. <laughs> like I didn't realize that I'd enjoy it this much. But I think this would be, you know, once again, uh, agree with uh, Sanderson Grinder in terms of, you know, I think I'm going to have one at home now for a lot of people who come over and want to try scotch or, you know, want to at least uh, join in on the scotch because typically uh, we tend to have uh, more flavorful and, uh, uh, I guess, uh, ranges of scotches and... uh, but um, I was just thinking about this. I said on a nice summer day on a deck, I don't mind, you know, having a scotch like this. Um, you know, something light. Um, I think it's flavorful, very sweet. Um, I'm enjoying it. I'm curious, Pagoda, <clears throat> I feel like you've tried some of the Japanese scotches. Is Hibiki the lighter one? Yeah. The- How would you compare that to this? Is it as light in flavor profile? Is it a little more flavor? So, uh, like hibikis, um, um, they're typically the lighter uh, whiskeys. Uh, what I find is that this is much sweeter, though the less sweet. Um, but um, yeah, I meaning I I always consider them, you know, a lighter profile whiskey, and I tend to typically have it in the summer. But I've had it uh, actually. I remember going to Montreal and I went to uh, one of those Casa de Habanos and um, when I was having in, um, so I ended up buying an E2, Batagas E2 and they offered uh, Hibiki as a pairing, which I kind of enjoyed. So 
um, you know, when you think about on the PTN where, you know, we'll go to the Lagavulin 16, I think, you know, or even how we like the Macallan 12s and, you know, the sherry tasting sweetness, that sweetness is very different. I think this seems to me more like a very floral, fruity sweetness. It's a different type of sweetness or the honey, I think, kind of adds to it, so... No, that's helpful. So not not as sweet as this, but as light. As light. This. It feels much lighter comparatively. I uh, I haven't had the like. This is one of the first times I'm having this, and I haven't had a hibiki for a while. No, I mean I I love I really like hibiki. I, I would if I were to kind of cross compare this to the Japanese scot you know Scotch whiskeys, hibiki would be the one for sure because it's light, it's balanced. Hibiki to me is more citrusy than than honey sweet what I'm getting with this. That Definitely more citrusy. Is it Dalveny that you guys had? It was the cigar, cigar malt. That was, was Dalmore. Oh, Dalmore. Dalmore. Dalmore, yeah. yeah Much fuller malt. flavor, Dalmore. A lot of sherry. I, I got to say, so I uh, I just poured a little bit more for uh, Puba and I, and I had an ice cube in it originally, and I just poured it now without an ice cube. doesn't need it. It doesn't need the ice cube. No. I think the ice cube actually opened it up. Too much. Too much. Yeah. You know, yeah, and I, does, think, I think this does now, not need ice at all. Yeah, I agree. This is this would go honestly. This would this is this would be a good scotch to well, like all scotches, but this would be a good scotch to put in a Glencairn glass, neat, and just really like get your fucking nose in it. Yeah, <laughs> and like I, just you know taking all the. What is that? What kind of glass is that? A Glencairn glass is a. It's like a. It's like a little pear shaped glass. It's kind of like a snifter. Um, but it's it's round at the bottom, kind of like the pot, and then it op- it it narrows and then flares at the end. Do you pour like certain whiskeys in that, or uh, n- no? I don't think so. Um, you know, it's just really it's a really nice way to isolate this the aroma um, of the scotch in the Glencairn glass. Drink it neat and isolate it. Get you, you know, really be able to swirl it around and open it up and get your get your get your nose in there and and taste it that way. So I have another question. Yeah, when you guys do these uh, tastings, I'm usually not a part of this. Uh, drinking my Pellegrino, but does the glass matter? I mean, you guys drink out of a plastic cup. Is it? Does it matter to you guys? Like, if I drink beer, even if it's non-alcoholic, I prefer to do it in a proper glass. So, does stemware come into play? And if it does, you know, I mean. To me, I mean, I mean, I would want it in a glass. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I very, 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 very rarely ever use a Glencairn glass. I'm always using a tumbler. And to me, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Which is basically okay. what we're drinking out of now. I it's mean, tumbler, I, I think yeah. that the point is you want something that is wide enough that it's going to allow any and it to breathe, any tannins to sort of evaporate. And for you to be able to, in in the most sensory of ways, get the nose as you're, you know, about to sip the scotch, and and, and the full flavor of it. And so I'm with Grinder. I mean, I have a few of those glasses you were talking about, and I really rarely use them. I feel like to this point, any tumbler really it's gets just the job done. I guess. It's something yeah. you know. It's something you pull out for like special special occasion. Right. You know, it. it I'm never going to put what I the, the normal rotation of scotch in a Glencairn glass just because why? You know, what it's then I have to go grab it from the special cabinet and you know, do something nice with it and Is Glencairn the name of the person or I think it's just the name it's just the name of the glass. It's like a it's not like a brand. 
Okay. Is it Glenn? It is Glenn Karen, right? Honestly, I'm not sure. Am I, am I crazy? Now I need to look this up. I also, the, the reason I don't use them that often either, <clears throat> there are a lot of scotches I like with a cube of ice. It's not really conducive to that, so. Yeah, yeah. Glenn, Glenn Karen. And it's, uh, it looks like this. Hold on. Come on, Amazon. It's like fat at the bottom and then. Yeah. I mean, oh, okay. Yeah. I got it now. Very nice. And, and especially because I, I think a number of us like just a little ice with our scotch. You know, sometimes when you have that big tumbler glass, we like those big, giant, squared cubes that That's melt a lot slower so that it doesn't just water down the scotch too quickly. And you could obviously never fit that in a Glencairn yeah, glass. Or any, so. I mean, it's a faux pas to put any ice in those right. fucking things. That's true. You don't, what, what you don't do that. What about the cubes that don't melt? Like they're like metallic cubes. I don't like those, those things. Um, I don't like them either. Yes, you yeah. want a little bit of a. You want a little bit of a little bit of water. Yeah, to exactly. kind of melt and open up. I love the. I, I have. I got these glass tumblers on Amazon. I, I don't know how I found them, but they're so great because they're so heavy. I don't know why I like a heavy tumbler when I have a scotch. I don't like the square ones. I like a because you're thick fancy. bottom. You're fancy. I don't, they were cheap, man, but I <laughs> I, I just feel so uh, bougie when I drink that. You are bougie while you're getting there. I'm wearing a hoodie. Is that a problem? You don't wanna... <laughs> <laughs> Is that a problem for the group? Today was like <laughs> a hoodie with a collar. <laughs> you don't you don't want to get Senator going on on glassware. He'll, yeah, you could do a whole podcast on this on is fair. stemware you with, know, with wine. Stemware matters. Uh -oh. I like plastic uh, stemless glasses for my wine. Personally. I think stemware matters. Oh wait, uh, no. Uh, so again, I think I with think whiskey. Matters. I'm not as convinced that it, it it makes any dramatic difference, but with wine, it is very important, period. You should not be drinking your red wine and white wine out of the same glasses. That's all I'm going to say. For beer. Oh, that, 100%, that's correct. For yeah. beer, I yeah. always, I, oh, I will always put beer in a glass with, with, a, with ample amount of head. And, and just the same way, so just, I mean, Rooster mentioned champagne before, and I think every listener at this point knows how much I love champagne after I sabered on our New Year's episode. Champagne is another example where, you know, a typical champagne flute is that very narrow glass, right? That's very long. And, you know, champagne, for, for whatever reason, uh, you know, in, in, I feel like years past, certainly not that much, not nearly as much recently, was served in coupe glasses that are wide open. And I have completely adopted, I'm on the coupe train. I have coupe glasses that I'll serve cocktails that I'll make out of and that I love to serve champagne out of. And I feel like you just get a much more sensory full experience when you're really tasting a champagne out of that coupe glass where you're, you're, the, 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 the nose that you can get on that champagne is so restricted by a champagne flute that's very narrow and elongated. So I, I stem where I, Rooster, I think, makes, brings up a very important point. So... Is the reason why it's a flute because so so it doesn't lose the effervescence that quick? Is that part of the reason? Why I think it's that that's shape? absolutely part of the reason. And I think you know why I I am not sold on that being a necessity is <clears throat> the reality is, and I, I'm going to sound like a snob for saying this, but you know, good champagne, you don't have to worry about that. You know, that's really a concern with really really budget champagne where you pour that. I shouldn't. It's not even champagne. A budget sparkling wine where you pour that. And all of a sudden, you're looking 60 seconds later, and there are no more bubbles <laughs> moving in that glass. It's, it's just flattening out right away. So with really good champagne, you're, you really don't have to be concerned about that. And that's why in a coupe glass, 
it's not going to lose that effervescence. And for me, it's a more sensory experience when you're uh, tasting and appreciating a, a champagne. Or I learned something. something. Yeah. This, so this, I guess uh, no Asti Spumanti for you, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. The second, this, I'm, I'm, I guess you'd call this the second half or the second third. Or It's delicious. It's getting better for me. I, mean, I agree. It's not as harsh. I, it's still not something it keeps, I'm going to. Yeah, it keeps improving. For yeah. It keeps going. It does. It's it's lightning. I feel like though it's rounding out. I've, I I do feel like this is smoking faster than I expected it to. Well, the draw is so open. It is, and I feel like yeah. I'm moving faster through this than certainly I would through a Mag 46 or another uh, a Corona of that size. You're at you Bam know? speed tonight. Yeah, yeah I, it, and I'm not smoking fast. Well, it's very strange because I I am a fast smoker. I'm not as fast as Bam, but I'm a fast smoker and. I feel like I'm not as far along as a number of you guys, and I'm not sure why that is. Yeah, I don't Maybe know. Maybe my draw is just a little bit snugger that I'm not going through this as quickly, but boy, I'm, I'm still enjoying every single It's a fantastic pop. cigar. Thank you, Puba, for bringing Absolutely this. Absolutely great Thanks, cigar. It's a great cigar. And again, it's one for of the, my favorites. For the price, I mean, you can't, you can't find... Yeah, what, what are these a stick? Uh, they're, they're, you get 300 bucks for, for 25 of them, so... A little over, you know, 10, 12 bucks a stick, I guess. They're nice. It's For me, it's it's uh, the reason why I have these in my humidor is because it's it's a nice change up. It's a nice change of pace from, I think someone mentioned it on the last pod. Uh, maybe it was you, uh, Giz. Like, I get into my routine. I get into my, and, and it's easy to, you know, I, sometimes I look at my humidor and, um, uh and, I, and all I see is Partagas and Upman and and Padron and you know uh, and, and I'm and I'm in some Davidoffs and I'm and I'm kind of kind of sometimes go well I, I'd like something just different than that so I think having these um, <clears throat> around and then if you want to buy more you know buy more but I think you know buying a box of these and having them they're good they set up to to Rooster's point they set up really good for aging. Um, because it it's not, yes, it's medium, but uh, in strength, but it does deliver kind of a full flavor experience. So I think that they, I think that they'd age pretty well um, over time. Um, I haven't had an aged Juan, a really, a really old uh, Juan Lopez, but um, I would imagine they'd age pretty nice. Um, so I, I, you know, for me, I think that they're really great to have around and and. I'm just looking around the room. I mean, I, I touched it up once or twice or something, just a little. But it's a pretty razor-sharp burn on mine. It's holding its ash. It's pretty good. Stacked I mean, up to nice. To your point, amazingly, I haven't touched this up a single time. Neither so have I. I'm really surprised. I, I've touched mine once or twice. I'm a little bit of a fiddler, though. I, you know? I touch mine every night. <laughs> you like you know, to fiddle around. Well, yeah, you know, <laughs> I like to. Can we edit little, that? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, but... Uh, you know they're good to have. It's a good, you know you, it's, it's funny you said that, Puba, because a couple times this weekend I was, uh, and I was thinking about that because I've you know I've bought so much stuff recently. I know we all have that. I'm kind of going back into the Tupperware, you know, to cut, to do some long term long term aging and some storing of some of some uh, New World sticks. But uh, I I really find that to be a benefit of having that tower where you can stand in front of it and kind of examine what you have and what you want to smoke and. You know, last night I pulled out a Partagas Maduro 3, which I hadn't smoked one of those ever. I just, have, uh, I just got a fiver from somebody. But, um, you know, in the Tupperware, it's kind of like you're grabbing what's on top unless you're literally going to pull everything out. So the, 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 the six-foot 
tower has been such an improvement for 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 my collection and, and my smoking habits. I mean, like you said, I, I get into my routine. I smoke the same thing all the time, but that tower certainly changed that. And obviously the pod too, but you know what? Every every single one of us in this room right now has a tower. One of us is getting a tower very soon. The issue with after getting a tower is sometimes you spend like 20 minutes staring the tower. I did that yesterday. Trying to decide what you're going <laughs> to yeah. smoke. And I've literally pulled out like five sticks out of the tower. Then I bring it upstairs and I'm like, oh, I'm going to choose one out of these five. I mean, it's a decision. It's kind of like going to a diner. <laughs> like the menu's too big. You a five-page menu. <laughs> the menu's too big. Deciding what you're going to pick. Well, that's why I was too thinking. Many about, options sometimes. Yeah, that's why I was thinking about, which may sound like lunacy to some, but like uh, Rooster, you have a Daniel Marshall uh, uh, desktop. And like there's merit to, I mean, when you're buying a lot of boxes, having a desktop humidor that's just convenient to just like open up and kind of go into and have a variety of stuff stacked in there. It's so practical. It's kind of a, it's not, yeah, I mean, I don't know how, I, it's convenient. Okay. It's convenient. There's a, there's a convenience level in my mind to it where it would help me because I have a lot of different things in the tower that maybe I'm, I'm aging or that I'm not touching for a while and I'm fiddling around and I'm, I'm pulling out drawers where you could stage stuff that you'd want to, in my mind, I'm just something I was thinking about. You know, you stage some stuff in a nice desktop and then you can just go in there and real quick. There's another, there's another benefit to that though too. And that is stepping down the humidity as you're preparing to smoke. So let's say you're storing something at a higher humidity, you're keeping it for a while. You, you not to dry box it per se, where you, you really try to dry it for a day or whatever before you smoke, but putting in a desktop humidor, pulling it closer to that lower humidity so it smokes even better. I mean, that's another benefit of what you're saying too is, you know, it, uh, you, you can start to step it down a little easier without having to step down an entire box. or a, Yeah, like instead of doing like a, what I would call a loadout, like yeah. I'm going to do a loadout for the night, you know, you have a desktop where you, you kind of say, okay, I'm going to load out some stuff and then have like a, you know, instead of digging through to the back of my humidor to get to the cab, little cabinet of Juan Lopez, because <laughs> that's where it kind of lives, because I'm not digging in there. It's, you know, you have two. You put two in the desktop, and, and, and the, you know, it's just something, another thing to just spend, spend money on. And it's good, too, for your tower. <laughs> it's good, too, for your tower to be opening it less. But what do, you, what do you feel about, like, if you have a desktop humidor, and you put, like, multiple or different sticks I mean, do the flavors kind of unless you know, they're marry? I mean, uh, you're putting padrones. You're putting unless unless they're infused, I don't think. Yeah, you're gonna I don't have that think problem. so. Yeah, I don't think so. The only yeah. thing, I mean, you know, I think what works out nice in in those circumstances is cigars that are a bit rough around the edges and really need time. I actually feel like benefit when they're in close proximity to other cigars and can really marinate. I just say that because, you know, before having a tower, when I had a, was just using desktop humidors, cigars that I was not crazy about and I knew just really needed to rest for a while, and I would just leave them in there with other cigars that I was pulling out and smoking left and right, and I'd go back in there in six months, and I would just light one just to see if it had gotten better, and the, the change, it just, it felt dramatic. It really did. Cigars that I wanted no part of for a long time and just six months and especially 12 months later, 
just marrying with those other cigars. I, I'm sitting there saying to myself, wow, it's like a whole different cigar. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because we've talked about Monty Twos before and like the troubles that can come, the inconsistent or what, you know, the things. So I had a bunch of Monty Twos, a bunch, a bunch. So I took, I just said, forget it. I took the boxes and I tossed the boxes and I just, I took some ribbons I had from cabinet boxes and I just made 25 count bundles and I just tied them up and put them like in the top rack in the back of the tower and just bundled them and just let them sit and bundled them. And I had, and I don't smoke Monty twos that much anymore, but I went in and I pulled one from the middle of the bundle and I hadn't smoked one in like a year. And I pulled one out of the middle of the bundle the other day. I think I, on the text, I sent it out. Like I had a money too. It was great. Cause I pulled it from the middle of that. Now I'm not saying empirically that that was the reason, but maybe they just, they're sitting and they're kind of like, I made my own little bundle with a ribbon and I tied them up in a little bundle. To your point, I just I, did the exact same thing with Romeo and Julieta Churchill's where we've talked about this. And at some point, maybe we'll review this. Cause this is probably the most frustrating cigar for me. I think Giz throw them in the lake. <laughs> yeah. Giz is already shaking his head where so frustrating I've had cigars. some Romeo and Julieta Churchill's that have been really, really tasty. And I've had other ones where the draw has been a nightmare. I've gotten like a blast of tar out of this cigar. I mean, crazy wild stuff has happened. And I got so frustrated. Now, mind you, you know, I've gone on my crusade about how I hate dress boxes. They come in a dress box. I took them all, all the rest of the box. This was a UEB box, a good box code. It's uh, a 2019 box. It's Very got some code. age. I have the yeah. same box. Yeah, we got the same one. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's like, it's, a, it's by every measure should be an outstanding box of cigars. And I finally just took them out of that dress box. I threw the thing out. I put them exactly like Puba said at the top of my humidor, let them marinate with other loose Cubans I had up there. And I lit one up the other day. I sent you guys a photo. I know Giz immediately, how's it smoking? First question. First question, you know, expecting it to be terrible. And I, I actually enjoyed it. It was finally like a Romeo Churchill that I knew. So again, Maybe this needs is air. anecdotal. It, it just... Something happens when cigars are able to age either in a cedar cabinet, as I think they ideally should be, or just with other cigars in a nice cedar, you know, cabinet humidor. I think I had two things that I would, you know, insight, not insights, but comments about the, there's a, there's a, a nice, something nice to have about a nice desktop humidor. It just adds an element of class to your, to your living room, you know, to your, put it on the coffee table. If you have a nice one it makes it a lot more pleasant for the wife to be like, oh, that's a nice little piece of furniture just hanging out, you know, for guests to see or whatever, right? And also there's the utility of it, of having the cigars that you would, you know, either smoke often, just right there, or ones that maybe you want to age a little bit or, or whatever, right? To have it available, even if you want to showcase it to guests when they come. The other, the other thing that I would say is that if you have a good desktop, it's in a lot closer proximity to some of the good Spanish cedar, it really does, to your point about marinating, someone used the word term marinating, it, mar it, 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 does, it does round off some of the sharper edges for some of the harsher cigars because it's so close to that Spanish cedar and because it's a lot easier to control. You know, it's easier to control the temperature. It's easier to control the humidity. It's not as much space. And I think if you want to fast track any kind of aging process, Get it out of the larger container and put it in the smaller container. That's, you know, I, I think there's, there's something to be said about that. 
So going back to the, uh, we're talking about the number two Monte Cristo. Have you guys tried the petite version of that? No, Pe- I want to. The petite, petite two? Number two is fantastic. Really? I want yeah. to. And same thing with the Edmundos. If the petite Edmundos are unbelievable. Petite Edmundo can, is better than the, uh, to can, me, I mean, uh, regular Edmundos. Can, can we say we're going to review that at some point? We have. Because I, I really want to try yeah. that. I've never had one. Yeah, I have a box of the petite Edmundos. Yeah. Really, we have to I just that. I just got the, a box of 10. They're yeah, fantastic. But the, the petite number two that he's talking about, though, is like a little bit of a hidden secret. Um, and, and, and some, and like people in the know that, that you can grab those and, 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 and find those, uh, maybe even with a little bit of age and that's, that's, and, 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 uh, that's a little secret. And I think that the, maybe not a secret, but, and people love the petite and window and Senator, I know that you've had, you've had those and you're not a huge fan, not too bullish on them. Um, but, uh. But people like them. I mean, people do really. People do like them. And I and I've bought multiple. Um, I've never bought a full box, but I've bought multiple like five packs. And I've had really. I've had a number of aged ones. Um, and they they put off like a lot of smoke, a lot of combustion. They give you that kind of classic Monte Cristo blast, um, chocolate, and uh, they're fun. To me, I mean, you know, we talk about disappointing sticks. I mean, Monte Cristo number two, I know we talk about that a lot, up and down. Those Romeos, we, the Churchills that, that Senator mentioned too from Romeo, I mean, that's got to be the number one most disappointing stick experience I've ever had in my history of buying and smoking cigars, which is not terribly long, but just consistently frustrating. And I, I'm with you. You know, it's Cuba being Cuba, I guess. So I'm curious what the listener thinks. I mean, if, if you have any opinions on cigars that have disappointed you for one reason or another, I'd love for uh, send us an email. And it is definitely time, I think, it is definitely time for the formal lizard rating. Are you guys ready? I can't the, wait the, to rate the FLR. Cigar. The FLR. We are, we, are, we are here now. My fingers are starting to burn. I've definitely smoked through this faster than I expected. I mean, to I'm tonight. down at the nub as well. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. All right, Rooster, you're up. Okay, so I think the cigar is fantastic. A lot of flavor, a lot of flavors that I like, a lot of fruity floral notes. I think the construction could be better, a little better. I think the, uh, the wrapper is a bit fragile. So I'm going to give it a solid eight. Puba? This is a tough one for me. I, um, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a seven. Seven. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I'm right, going to we'll give talk, it a seven. We'll talk about that in a second. I want to I wanna get into that. I To me, I'm going to put this very close to the MAG 46. I can see this slotting in right next to it. For me, it's an eight. So I'm in a tough position because this is very close, again, as I've said, to a Magnum 46. And I know I gave the Magnum 46 an eight. And if there were decimals, I would give this slightly higher. I'm going to have to give this an eight because I have to round down. But if I have to compare the two, this would be slightly above. So I want to talk about why we all rated yeah, it, what, what we did. But, man, this is this is very good. Pagoda. A seven for me. Um, once again, kind of a very nice cigar, but it, is it something that I'm going to go ahead and uh, buy a box today? Uh, probably not. Um, a seven for me. Seven for me. Bam, bam. 
Bam's a 10. I'm at a nine all the way with wow. the cigar. And okay. if we get a chance to talk about it, I want to get into it. I, well, we're, we're about to start arguing and debating. Because I think you're all nuts. The, so that, uh, that's, uh, the composite the lizard score reason... 7.7 .7 on the cigar. 7.7. .7. Oh. So the reason why I gave it an eight is because the ones that I've had in the past, it's from a box of 2011, and those are like a high nine. I would say like, you know, nine point something. Uh, this one, you know, I think if it sits like a couple of years longer, I think it's definitely a potentially a nine. So Puba and and, uh, and Pagoda, I'm curious, what's with the sevens? I'm a seven too. Well, oh yeah, and Grinder's a seven too, it, excuse me. But it's so, I, I want to, I just want to caveat that, like I really like the cigar. I brought him here. Sure. <laughs> I you bought him. You gave us a seven. I gave a, I gave, <laughs> gave out. You seven. gave me a nine. And I and I yeah, and I really uh yes, and I really uh I really do like the cigar and I'll buy more. Uh, I and I and I'll smoke them. I just um for me, I prefer if we're talking Corona Gordas, I'm gonna I I I I, I like I, but as you guys know, I'm a really big Upman fan. I like the flavor profile of the marca. Um, to me, that it delivers a little bit more of what I like. Um, it's all personal preference. There's nothing, by the way, nothing about the cigar at all. Well, I, listen, I mean, a seven point seven is still a, 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 a recommend for sure with this group. You know, and we're dealing with whole numbers too. If I was really going to rate it, I'd give it like a seven point eight. Do you know what I mean? But since I have to give it a like I'd be, it would be which up there. Which is close to where we landed, 7-7. Seven, right. Well, I, oh, is that where? Okay, yeah. great. So I'm just speaking extemporaneously here. So, yeah, I would have given it like a 7.8. Like, it's close to an 8 for me. Um, but uh, it's really good. It just doesn't align with fully with what I want all the time. But that doesn't mean I don't want it sometimes. It's just personal. Like, so I really enjoyed it. I think, it for me, it gets a little bit like... It just doesn't deliver the kind of flavors, that the, the, some of the dessert flavors that I really enjoy in a cigar. Up front, it does, but it, it, but it's really good. I mean, I like it. I, it's it's a good cigar, and I think seven's still a strong recommend for me. I, I, I'll say this just on, on my eight, and then I definitely want to hear from other guys that gave this a seven. What I wrestled with with this cigar is... You know, I like its versatility and that I could have this in the morning or the afternoon... But after smoking this fully, would I light this up after a dinner? No. And the Mag 46 that obviously we've compared this a lot to because it's a similar size, all of that. Would I light a Mag 46 up after dinner? Absolutely. Would I light a Mag 46 up in the morning? No. And so there, there are trade-offs with each cigar, and that's why they each have a place for me. Um, but none has the, the versatility of, you know, let's say a D4 that I light up in the morning, the afternoon, after a meal, any time, and I, that cigar is going to be outstanding for, for my palate, and I think I probably gave that a nine when we rated it. Um, so that's what I wrestled with with this cigar. And the last thing I'll say is the last third of this cigar I actually did not enjoy as much as the first two-thirds. And as I was wrestling between an eight or a nine, because it had more versatility to me than the Mag 46, which I started to lean a nine, but the last third, I don't enjoy as much. Where the Magnum 46, I will give credit, all every third of that cigar is pretty consistent, and that that's the thing that really bumped it down to an eight for me. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I saw you sh- shaking your head, Grinder, as he said about the last third that you you were agreeing. I mean, with I, him. I was going to say the same comment. It was just not. It was a little rough. The last third, the second third was, it got better. First third was okay, for me. Um, I definitely like some of the, <clears throat> excuse me, some of the unique spices, but it just. I was thinking back to the Bellicosos Finos, which I also gave a seven, and I was struggling with this being better than that, <laughs> you know? So that's why I gave it a seven. It, it's, it's not a six by any means. It's a great cigar. I love it, but it's not something that I'm going to reach for or come back to unless it's in, you know, unless I have a, a box that I can draw from. Pagoda, why'd you give it a seven? Yeah, it just felt like I kept seeking something more, you know? Uh, and maybe it's because of my flavor profile. You know, I tend to uh, prefer cigars, you know, which are slightly bolder in flavor and um, um, and smoother to, you know, some extent. Because in this, uh, like I mentioned before in the podcast, I did feel a little bit of harshness in the back of my throat. Um, it felt very mild. I could, you know, feel um, at least taste some of a uh, little bit of, uh, you know, cedar, a couple of things, but nothing very pronounced. Um, yeah, so for me, it didn't really catch my attention saying that, hey, listen, this is a great cigar. Now, you have to remember, like, eight and a nine are really, really good cigars. Uh, and, uh, you know, for me, um, I thought, uh, would this be an eight? And, you know, it's it's not easy to rate uh, as, as well, like, as you can imagine. Um, so hence seven for me. All right, Bam Bam, the nine. Yeah, there was nothing disappointing about this cigar for me. You know, there's a difference between bold uh, body, right, and bold flavor. And Rooster, you said it perfectly earlier. It's a full-flavored, medium-bodied cigar. And I, and I love cigars like this. Um, the For me, it was flavor from beginning to end. Yeah, it got stronger as it got toward the end. For me, I had no harshness. It was a spectacular stick for me. Fantastic all the way through. By the way, a lot of people feel people feel that way. And I, honestly, I it was slightly reminiscent to a punch punch, very slightly at the beginning. And I happen to we all love that cigar. I really love that stick. But that combination of floral, a little sweetness, a tiny bit of pepper in the beginning, and creaminess. And as it got through to the end, yeah, the pepper kicked. But that's what makes to me for me a really interesting smoke as it changes and it gets down to the end. People, people do really, people really, there's, there's a select, there's a group of people who do really enjoy, um, who enjoy this, this selection, number one, and it's, it's well regarded. So I think that it's just personal preference. It's a Uh, fucking flavor bomb for me. Right. Totally. Right. And how do you not love that? Well, I, I, you know, I like the differences in scores in this. I think it, it. It's definitely one that any listener should be be trying, and if they love it, oh, absolutely, buy a box. And at a seven point seven, I think that's a, a, a recommend for sure from the lizards. And uh, that's it. So Juan Lopez selection number one, seven point seven boys. Good cigar. And, Very uh, good. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Keep smoking. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to leave us a rating and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you have any comments, questions, if you want to reach out, say hello, tell us what you're smoking, email us, loungelizardspod, P-O-D, that's loungelizardspod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram, at loungelizardspod. 
We really appreciate your time, and we'll uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>